Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And today we're talking on the very important subject of what happens to me when I don't forgive. And what is going to cause me to have health problems? What is going to cause me to have spiritual problems? What happens when I don't forgive? Well, one of the things I think that you will face is a lot of frustration. So I want to talk about frustration just before we get into the subject of what happens when we don't forgive. You know, I've had times of frustration in my life, and I'm sure that you have had times of frustration in your life. All of us do, but I sincerely believe that there's a number of ways that you can navigate through times of frustration. Let me just give you a couple of them, okay? Number one, you will face frustrations from time to time, so acknowledge your struggle. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, John 16, 33, I have said these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you can have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I remember a television commercial that started with a woman being frustrated by the dogs, the telephone, the children, and the doorbell. And then she said, Calgon, take me away. You remember that commercial? And then the same woman used Calgon bath powder to relax and lose herself in luxury. Although we can't get out of this world, we can have peace in this world through the peace that is offered by Jesus Christ. So remember when frustration comes your way, just acknowledge that struggle. Say, Lord, I'm having a hard time. I need your help. Number two, remember that fatigue and overworking causes frustration. So distinguish between where your source of frustration is coming from and understand what is causing it. Galatians 6, 9 says, let's not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we don't give up. One man asked D.L. Moody, who was working tirelessly day and night for God, if he was tired of the work to which Moody replied, I'm tired in the work, but I'm not tired of the work. Acknowledging that laboring for the Lord is tiring, but never tired of doing the work for the Lord. There is a big difference, and D.L. Moody marked it very well. Number three, when you have times of frustration, God is an ever-present help. In fact, His presence is the most felt when it is most needed. Isaiah 41 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Don't be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You know, three things Isaiah promised to those of us when we get frustrated. Number one is God's strength. Number two is God's help. And number three is God holding on to us. You know, if you're feeling frustrated today as you're driving down the highway, why don't you drive to the Savior? Maybe it's just what we need in our lives, just to keep us close to the Savior. You know, frustration is a way that we can begin focusing on fear. You know, I'm frustrated because something's out of my control. And I'm often reminded myself that God's got this. As a matter of fact, I had a member that was going through a difficult time. I was texting him back and forth, and and I concluded my text by reminding him that God's got this. Now, no matter what you're going through, God's got it. It's not taking him by surprise. And he may even be using that source of frustration in your life to drive you back to his presence. Well, here's the fourth thing that I try to do when I'm experiencing times of frustration is allow that frustration to humble you. Do not drive yourself from the Lord's presence. Use that frustration to humble you. And Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 5, 7, that we should humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that at the proper time, He may exalt you, cast all your anxiety on him, cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. Okay, I admit, part of my frustration 
is often rooted in my determination to figure out on my own, and I end up carrying too much weight. Need any help? No, I've got it, many of us are saying. And that's how I used to always be. Need any help? Got it. Can I help you? No, I got it. I got it. You know, it's humbling to acknowledge our need for help. But as we cast our anxieties on him, we experience how much he really cares for us. Well, let me quickly review, okay? Just in case you're just tuning in, in times of frustration, you're going to face them from time to time. Acknowledge that struggle. Realize that the Lord is with you in the midst of those struggles. And even in the midst of chaos, God's peace is with you. Number two, remember that fatigue and overworking often causes frustration, often causes weariness. So don't be weary in well-doing. Don't give up doing uh, good things. D.L. Moody says, I'm tired of the work, but I'm not tired of the work. Realize that what you're doing is a good work. If it's not a good work, then stop doing it. And then number three, even in times of frustration, God is our ever-present help. As a matter of fact, I think that's when we feel his strength, his help, and his holding on to us more than ever during those times where we are out of control and God is still in control. Number four, allow those times of frustration to humble you. Now, don't let it be one of those things that forces you to drive harder and harder, realizing that God is slowing you down for a reason. Humble yourselves, therefore, under his mighty hand, that at the proper time, he may exalt you. You may be frustrated today because you're trying to be elevated and God says, you're not ready to be elevated. You don't have the character to sustain you in that time of elevation. I've got to teach you humility. And at just the right time, I will lift you up. Isaiah 41 says, at just the right time, if we do not give up, we will reap. Now, I want you to know, we all struggle with frustrations, but there can be some victory. You know, it's humbling to acknowledge that we need help. But as we cast our anxieties on him, we experience how much he really cares for us. And then number five, during times of frustration, realize it's time to yoke up with Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I find something wonderful happens to me when I team up with Jesus. I get physical rest. I get to know him better. And I am spiritually nursed. That's what Jesus said to do. When you team up with him, you get rest because he takes the brunt of the load. When you team up with him, you get to know him. Hanging out with Jesus, being yoked up with Jesus, you get to know his heart. You get to know his desires. You get to experience spiritual nourishment. And then number six, when I feel frustrated. Don't lose your sense of humor. I love the Texas tall tale about a teacher who was helping one of her kindergarten students put on his cowboy boots. He asked for help, and she could see why. Even with her pulling and pushing and him pushing, those little boots didn't want to go on. By the time they got that second boot on, she had worked up a sweat, that poor teacher. She almost cried when the little boy said, well, teacher, they're on the wrong feet. She looked, and sure enough, they were. It wasn't any easier pulling the boots off as it was putting them on, and she managed to keep her cool as they worked together to get the boots on the right feet. This time, she was sure they had it on the right feet, but then the little boy announced, these aren't my boots. So she bit her tongue rather hard and started to scream, well, why did you say so? You think about the struggles that we had. Once again, 
She struggled to help him put the ill-fitting boots on his little feet. No sooner had they gotten the boots off when he said, These are my brother's boots. My mother made me wear them. Now she didn't know what she should do, whether she should laugh or what she should do is cry, but she mustered up that grace and that courage to make it through and wrestle those boots on his feet again. Well, I want you to know, when you're frustrated, don't lose your sense of humor. You know, life is short. It's too short to take it too seriously. Now, I take what I do very seriously, but I don't take myself very seriously at all. As a matter of fact, every time I look in the mirror, I always kid around and say, man, God was really creative when he created me. And God was very unique when he created me. And the same is true of you. So don't lose your sense of humor. So today, in the remaining moments of the broadcast today, I want to talk to you about this very important subject of what happens when I refuse to forgive and what happens when I choose to forgive. You see, really, the choice is ours. We have this wonderful opportunity that God has placed before us to be able to experience freedom. But let's talk about the negative part first. And we covered some of this in yesterday's broadcast. But here's some of the negative things about not forgiving. Number one is that I'm living in disobedience of God. You know, that's really a terrible place to be, to be disobedient of what God wants to see happen in your life. Totally disobeying God. That is not a happy place to be. Listen, God wants us to have a good relationship with Him. And that relationship is severed when we don't forgive. So we have living this this life of disobedience when we don't follow through and we don't forgive. As we think about the issue of forgiveness, there's something else that we must always remember about forgiveness. Forgiveness is never earned. It's always a gift. It's not anything that we deserve to give to somebody. They don't deserve to receive it. You see, when we are forgiving somebody, we are most like God. We are most like Him because He forgave in us the unforgivable. There's a second thing that happens when I don't forgive. My anger is intensified. I'm taking this unforgiveness and it's turning inside and I'm becoming angrier and angrier because that offense has not been released. I'm still feeling the effects of that offense. When I forgive that person, the anger begins to subside because two people are set free. I'm set free and that person is set free. There's something else that happens when we refuse to forgive. I constantly relive those painful experiences over and over and over again. Listen, the Lord wants you to be set free. That's why I want to share with you today how you can begin to forgive and to move on. Now, some of you have taken this lack of forgiveness and and you just live with it every day and you've got to the point where you kind of got used to it. I mean, when you think about living with unforgiveness, there's got to be a lot of hatred. There's got to be a lot of judgment. And when you think about that, you become so accustomed to living with that. You see, bitterness will remove any compassion that you think you have. As you nurse unforgiveness and as you pet it and as you live with it, this little grudge becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. It becomes like a tumor that overtakes you and you're not happy. It will cost you to forgive. I know it will cost you to forgive. But to not forgive, it will cost your heart. I don't want to tell you this, but because I'm not teaching you my opinion, I'm teaching you God's word. I want to teach you God's word. Let me show you another cost. Not only will there be a relational cost, there will be a spiritual cost. Because God's forgiveness for you is tied into your forgiveness of others. If you 
forgive those. This is Matthew chapter 6. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. If you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Man, that hurts. That's a big price tag. The cost of unforgiveness. So how do we get past our stubborn, willful choices to not forgive and become the type of person whose life is characterized by forgiveness? Well, it's intensely practical. And that's why I love the Word of God. That's why I love the practicality of of forgiving other people. You know, if you want to be a person of forgiveness, let me go very, very practical with you, okay? And now, by ways of introducing this, this whole topic of how I begin forgiveness, I want you to know that you can only forgive people who have a personal offense against you. You can't forgive somebody you don't know. They haven't hurt you. And it's kind of like uh, in 9-11, I heard the story of how we were told by some political leader that we should forgive Osama bin Laden. And because of what the terrible thing has, has done, well, bin Laden did not do anything personally against me. How can I forgive him? I didn't lose any loved ones in 9-11. And furthermore, uh, I think when you look at doing something of that level, it's not a personal offense any longer. And that's where our government has to step in, which leads to the point of our government, right? To punish evil and reward good. Punishment must be executed because over 3,000 lives and all that whole incident was killed. When we think about forgiveness, number one, identify the people who have hurt you. Now, somebody I know can't hurt me. If somebody hurts me, it's because I know them, right? So identify the people who have hurt you. Face it. Now, don't fake it, right? Don't downplay the hurt. Face it. And that's why it's very clear in Matthew 18 where you're to go to that person, right? And if you don't have the stamina or the courage to go to that person, it could be because that offense is not severe enough. Or it could be that that offense is more of a misunderstanding than a legitimate offense. Listen, if you are offended by something, you can talk about somebody else, then you need to talk to that person. Now, I know it's a delicate situation in doing that. If you don't have the courage and take somebody with you, that's actually the second step. But make sure that you have the facts in line and that the people who have hurt you have really hurt you. Be able to identify it. I had a guy come to me one time and he says, well, pastor, I'm offended by you. And I'm like, okay, what did I do? And I said, I'm not trying to be cavalier about this, but he couldn't define it. He said, well, I just got this feeling toward you. And I said, I want to help you and I, I, want to, I want you to forgive me but I can't even figure out what I need to give to you for forgiveness. I can't understand where you're going on this, right? So identify the people you've hurt. And then number two, determine what they owe you. Again, this is very practical, right? You say, well, he owes me an apology. She owes me an explanation. Or he owes me respect. Or she owes me a marriage, right? My dad owes me a childhood. He worked too much. He was never there. He didn't tuck me in. Whatever it is, whatever that person owes articulate that. What do they owe you? The ex-roommate owes you $1,500, right? That jerk owes me a life because he was drunk and he went through that red light and he killed my grandfather. Whatever it is, huge or small, write it down. What do they owe you? What has been taken from you? As you do, you're going to discover something. Some things are big, some things are small. And uh, you're going to discover that as you write it down, when you do this, put it away for a few days. Live with it just a little bit, not long, not, not talking about a year, just a few days. Think about it, pray about it, and then have an imaginary conversation. 
what would you say they owe you? Write that down. Uh, Be complete with that. If you were to read like a self-help book, here's where the self-help would say about forgiveness. They refer to it as an exercise in releasing the negative feelings, ignoring the past harm, pretending all is well. So determine what they owe you, okay? And then number three. So number one, you've identified the people who have hurt you. You're going to face it, not fake it. Number two, you're going to determine what they owe you. And then number three, you cancel the debt. You see, when you forgive someone, you give them a gift. Well, they're giving yourself a bigger one. Colossians 3.13. You must make allowances for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must also forgive others. You see, when we focus on the person that you've got to forgive and all of your focus is on that person, here's what forgiveness feels like. I'm just letting them off the hook. Here's the trick. You don't focus on him. You focus on Christ. Make sense? Because when you focus on that person who needs your forgiveness, you need to forgive. And all you can think about is that whole situation of that person being let off the hook. And that's not fair. So you don't focus on that person. You focus on Christ. You focus on the cross. Don't focus on the one who has hurt you. Rather, focus on the one who paid such a high price to forgive you. David said, bitterness can make you do dumb things. David admitted, when my thoughts were bitter and my feelings were hurt, I was stupid as an animal. Psalm 73, 21 and 22. You can also read for further study, Matthew chapter 18, verses 23 to 35. You think about forgive. When I cancel that debt, that person is released, I'm released. Merriam-Webster defines forgiveness as to cease to feel resentment against an offender, to pardon that person, to forgive an enemy, to give up resentment or the claim of requital. To forgive is to forfeit an insult, to grant relief from payment, to give an offset or a forgiveness of a debt. Now you think about that. It's not easy. As a matter of fact, I think this is some supernatural work that we go through when we forgive another person. I think that's the only way that we can do it. I don't think that of our own strength that we are able to forgive others because we don't have it in us. You know, when I was growing up, I used to have this mindset, if it's to be, it's going to be because of me. And then I would follow up with that by saying, hurt me once, you're a fool. Hurt me twice. I'm a fool, and you're not going to get me a second time because I'm no fool. And I would put up this wall if somebody did something to offend me, and I would write that person off, and i just walk away. And I didn't have ill feelings for that person. I would just write that person off. I said, you're not going to get me a second time. I discovered that that's very unbiblical, but that's how I lived my life as a very young person. And God since has set me free from that. Now I follow through. Maybe that's why Peter was asking that question about forgiveness, Because he was probably wondering, when can I write somebody off? How many times am I supposed to forgive somebody? So Jesus gives them that number 70 times 7, 490 times. It's not a really number per se, but it's really that we're always to forgive, always to release that person. Now, that doesn't mean we have that relationship with that person. Forgiveness is a gift. Trust is earned. You may have done something at work and, and your employer may forgive you, but it may cost you your job. I was counseling a couple one day, and and there was a situation of abuse, 
and somebody was abusing one of their children. And they said, well, we feel like we should forgive this person. I said, well, you should forgive this person, but don't trust that person. Don't have that person anywhere near your children any longer and get your children the help that they need so they can navigate through this. But you don't have to have a relationship with that person because trust was broken. It has nothing to do with forgiveness. Forgiveness is a separate act from trust. Trust is always earned. Forgiveness is always given. Listen, you can forgive somebody even if they don't ask for forgiveness. Even if they don't think they've done anything wrong, you can release that person. Even if they don't want to be forgiven, you can forgive somebody. That is the great power of forgiveness. It's a gift that I give to somebody else that both people receive the benefit. I receive the benefit because my, uh, I'm set free from that offense, and that person also receives that benefit as well. So forgiveness is such a big topic, right? And when we think about how we can be more forgiving, I want you to know that it can become a part of your life. You see, unforgiveness means that we desire to hurt the people who have wounded us. It's like the little boy who was sitting on the park bench, and he was in obvious agony. A man walking by him asked him, well, what's wrong? The boy answered, well, I'm sitting on a bumblebee. Then why don't you get up, the man asked. The little boy replied, because I figure that I'm hurting him more than he's hurting me. (laughs) You know, the healing process begins when we get up off the park bench. God will only heal our wounds when we stop inflicting pain on the one who has hurt us. You know, nothing in all of God's creation is hidden from his sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before his eyes. And everything that we do, one day we'll give an account. God's understanding is no limit, but we will be given an account. I think one of the things that we're going to be given an account of, of why we chose not to forgive. You know, the scope of God's knowledge is so far beyond us. God knows all about us. He knows all about creation. He knows all about himself. You know, you don't know all about yourself. That's why you have a lot of the problems that you have, because you don't know all about yourself. I'm constantly surprising myself with things like, I thought I could do this, right? And I can't. I thought I could do that, and I, and I can't. And I'm always surprising myself because I really don't know myself as much as I think I know myself. God knows himself. In 1 Corinthians 2.11, it says, For who knows a person's thought? Except this, his own spirit within him. In the same way, nobody knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. You know, when we are acting in forgiveness, even when we don't feel like forgiving, we are actually getting into the scope and the understanding and the knowledge of God. We're getting some inside insight into what God is doing because we're allowing the Spirit of God to give us the strength and the courage to forgive somebody. In Job chapter 11, it says, Who can fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than the heavens above. What can you do? They are deeper than the depths below. What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and is wider than the sea. Job is reminding us that God knows all about himself, but there's some things that we don't know about God because they are beyond our ability to comprehend. You know, God also knows about us and all of this creation. You see, when God saw all that he made and he saw that it was very good and, and he blessed us, because he knew us. He even knew that we were going to mess up, but he says, I've got a plan to help you through that. You know something else that God knows all about? God knows all about history. The past hurts. The present hurts. The future hurts that you're going to have. Isaiah says that God knows the end from the beginning, from ancient of times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do what I please. 
That's Isaiah quoting God. Well, God knows all about me. That's why I love Psalm 139. Not only that, he knows everything that could have happened to me. He knows everything that will happen to me. He knows the scope of my life from beginning to end. You know, God knows all of my faults and all of my failures. He knows all about my sins. Well, I hope that you join me tomorrow as we explore this subject deeper as we look at history's greatest forgiver. So join us tomorrow as we take up this topic and how we can learn more about God, become more like Him as we forgive. So thank you so much for joining us today. Now listen, if you like this broadcast and you'd like to listen to us on a podcast, you can pick up past sermons that have been put on the broadcast. Just go to hrcc7.org and then you can listen to the previous broadcast. And also, if you'd like to give to this ministry, there's a little giving tab on our church website. We would welcome you to give if this ministry is a blessing to you. Well, Lord, thank you for being with us today. I pray for that one who is listening right now and is struggling, struggling to forgive. They're holding on to resentment. They're holding on to hurt. But Lord, would you give them the courage through the Spirit of God to forgive the unforgivable because you forgave us of the unforgivable. We praise you for all you're doing today. Thank you for your goodness to us. To God be the glory, great things he has done. Thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.